And um, this may seem like an abrupt shift, but it's not. Um, I will make good sense of it. Uh, John McCracken, can you come up? Uh, John, who Justin and I were poking fun at. Uh, John's a great man. Uh, John and Amber just got married, and I want you to tell the story about climbing. <laughs> okay. um, I saw John yesterday. I hadn't seen him since I got back from the honeymoon, and I was like, I was like, bro, how was the honeymoon? He was like, it's fast, fantastic. We almost died. <laughs> yeah. Just a so, so that's me. I'm an adrenaline nut. And anytime there's a trail, I want to go off of it. I literally am the rebellious one who doesn't follow the trail. So my wife and I are on our honeymoon. First time she's done anything crazy like this with me. So I convinced her to take the trail and I would climb the mountain. So she released me if I put my shoes on. I was going to do it. I was going to do it without my shoes on. She goes, well, you got to put your shoes on. I'm like, okay, will you let me go? She goes, yeah. Well, she thought I meant halfway up the mountain, but she's getting to know me still. I don't do anything halfway. <laughs> I meant the top of the mountain. So it's about 2,000 feet probably climbing. And when you look at the mountain, it's like, okay, that's doable. But when you get up there, it's 80-degree climb. It's not, a, it's not 90, but it's not easy. So we get up there. She goes, well, I don't want you to do it alone. I don't want to be down here alone. So she decided to come along with me. I'm like, Lord, help us. So she, I let her stay ahead of me for a while, and I held my hand on the mountain to, so she can climb on my hands so she's not having to look for stones to put her feet on. So I got her up above me about... 12, 15 feet, and then so everything, so about this mountain, how challenging it is, what makes it challenging is that the stones, some of them weren't stones, they were just clay, and they would just disappear and disintegrate once you put your hands on them, and you're climbing, so you have to marry yourself to this 80 degree grade, as the stones are not only crumbling, some of them are actual stones, but the only thing holding them or adhesing them to the mountain is clay. So they're coming off the mountain. So every time you climb, there's little rocks that come down. So I let her stay ahead of me. The little rocks weren't a big deal, but then this one huge boulder about not that big. She goes, babe, this is coming loose. Do you want me to send it down? I'm like, absolutely, because I don't want it coming down unexpectedly. So I said, send it down, and this big thing's like tumbling, you know, at my face. So I, so I lift my, you know, I'm on a stone that's solid. I lift my leg up, and it barely missed it, but I got the corner of it, busted my knee the first part of the climb. So it was absolutely awesome. That, that makes it awesome for me. So we get up about 70% of the way. She's absolutely undone in fear. And now I have made it above her, and now I'm in fear because I have one hand on a small stone that's solid, I'm good, with, good to go with that. And my foot is on a ledge about that big. Oh, by the way, I'm free soloing this. This is not a rope. There's no harness. <laughs> this is just us climbing a mountain. So that's just me. So this stone was somewhat coming loose. So I'm like, I got a little bit of time. I don't know how long, but it's going to eventually fall. That's my footing. So this other leg, I've got nothing. There's nothing to put it on. So I'm like, I'm just standing on the mountain like this. And this other hand was on a stone about, about that big. It was coming off the mountain. So, so I'm like, oh, God, I regret getting my wife into this. Please help. You know, I'm like, God, please get me up this mountain. Because now it's safer for me to go up rather than go down. So I got up on top of a... So at this position, my only choice was to lift my... Like, throw my body up against the mountain, hoping that this root that I grab onto won't fall off or take it, like, get loose. And it didn't. So I climbed this one root with my two hands and got on top of this stump. <laughs> so I'm on top of the stump. I've got a foot of dirt that I'm standing on. Hopefully there's roots underneath it. And uh, basically I'm standing on these, these roots. They're about a foot. And I'm coaching my wife, my newly, <laughs> my new wife, hoping she doesn't die, coaching her to get how to get down using her hands and all this kind of stuff. And she's freaking out. She's like, babe, be careful, be careful. I'm like, I don't have a choice but to be careful now. You know? So I'm standing there and I'm shaking in fear and my muscles have given out completely. And I'm just trying to rest against the mountain like this. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do. So I finally, I, overcoming fear after fear after fear, getting up this thing, it was nuts. But what, I, but what the Lord spoke to me through this whole journey of trusting you know, one another in marriage, it's like a, 
it was like an optional course of trusting one another. You know, it was amazing. So anyway, but what he spoke to me about life in general is as we got up this mountain, our route changed. Our route changed like six, seven different times. So just like in life, he kind of gave me an allegory. When you, when you set a goal, you think you're going this direction, but then when you get to the goal, you realize, oh, wait, I have to go this direction because there's obstacles and there's things that make life difficult sometimes. So we change, we change paths, right? We change routes. So that's what he showed me on the mountain. Just like I had to change paths and routes every time I saw some fearful obstacles like death, I would have to change routes. So basically, the same thing happens to us in life. When we get to our goal that we, that we set, we're like, oh, well, I have this, other, this new goal over here. So every time we change paths, our new goals are set. God's going to keep us on this ever-moving path. So I love that allegory. So there is somewhat of spiritual <laughs> teaching in the midst of it. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, and I made it. I made it. Clearly. Uh, it's a remarkable story on so many levels. Um, when John was telling me the story yesterday, my jaw was dropped the entirety of the story, as you can tell. I mean, 2,000 feet, 2,000 free, free climb. It's not easy to do that. Um, the, uh, the phrase, multiple phrases stood out to me in that story, but uh, the one that I really like is it was safer to go up than go down. And it, it characterizes our moment as a church family, um, where it would be easy to keep our feet on terra firma and not climb this mountain, not ascent the adventure. Uh, I love that John led Amber out in that adventure, which we need pioneers. We need those that are not as hindered by fear to lead us to places that we all want to go. They will have a story forever that is an epic honeymoon story of nearly dying together that will bond them. And we will have some ridiculous stories coming out of this together because we're adventuring together. We're climbing something that has, as you heard in John's story, some things that look like firm holds, but they're not. And he had to grab hold of a root to pull him up. It is a remarkable parable. <laughs> he had to literally, he said, he told me yesterday, he was trembling. He had to wait for six minutes, just waiting, paralyzed, could not move. And we may have that and you may have that. Unable to move, be it in your own moment, story, journey, be it in our moment, journey, or story. And then he had to literally free himself in hope and grab hold of a root. That's the liminal space that Adam was talking about. When you let go and you reach out to that which you believe is there and you don't know if it's really there until you grab it, that is the liminal space. Oh my gosh. That dude, that is just, I cannot believe that story. Um, that's a remarkable story. Whew. John, you're a great gift. You bring a great gift to Amber. Hey, Amber. Um, I mean that sincerely. Um, about a couple weeks ago in one of our prayer times over the retreat, uh, I looked at Adam's naked juice. And uh, I know, that's why I said it. And uh, this here bottle of naked juice. Yes, and uh, the label on the side says the goodness inside. And I was fixated on that label and began to imagine us at the retreat and began to imagine you all because each one of you are a naked juice. <laughs> you are a naked juice, which may not sound that encouraging. Adams reminded me of my announcements today. Uh, I mean that sincerely. Um, I don't just mean it poetically. I mean that sincerely in that um, the Father has deposited profound goodness inside of each one of you. 
way more than you're even aware of, perhaps profoundly far more than you're conscious of, he has put inside of you. You are filled with goodness. You bring a phenomenal gift of health and life wherever you go because you have been filled with God. I love Graham's phrase from the LTS. He made you the way he likes you. He likes the way he made you. On your worst freaking day, you can change the world because he lives inside you. On your best day, you believe it. That's the only difference. On your worst day, you can change the world. On your best day, you just happen to believe it because of grace. You are a phenomenal gift, my friends. You are filled with God. You are a naked juice. (laughs) You are a naked juice. I didn't know what Laura was coming to do, which she was, I thought you were gonna repent right there, Laura Feathers. I was like, all right, it's happening. She, it's starting. It's, the, the word is really bringing conviction. I'm far too ADD, Laura, to have you moving in the middle of anything. Hoi. Uh, I love Adam's word, presenting ourselves. We present ourselves to God and we present ourselves to others. As you heard throughout um, last night and this morning, uh, we are a family who believe that our relationship is not just upward, but it is lateral, that God made us to be relational people. He made us to interface, to interact with one another, to love one another well, to bring who we are, the goodness inside of us, which requires you to become more profoundly aware of the goodness inside you, which is the invitation in Romans 12 to to offer yourselves. We're gonna look at that text here in a minute again and put it up on the screen and engage those questions. Presenting yourself fully and completely to him and fully and completely to one another. For some of you, it's easier to present yourself fully to God. For others of you, it's easier for, for you to present yourself more fully to people. And I want both. I want both for myself. I want both for this family, for you to become more profoundly aware of the goodness inside of you, for you to bring the best of who you are to one another, to bring who you are to God, to welcome the refining fire of his presence, his good presence, and his voice that helps you identify who we are, who you are, what he's put inside of you, that you can stand and bring yourself as a naked juice to somebody else. I realize the slippery slope there, and I'm just going there just the same. Um, Man, last part of this exhortation, friends, is I implore you by the grace of God to become more supremely aware of what you have as opposed to so distracted by what you don't have, by what you aren't, by what you don't feel confident in, but to bring the best of who you are, as Adam exhorted, to know and bring that in confidence and to know and trust the Spirit will supply what is lacking, that He will refine it, that He will address it, that He will strengthen that in due time. My concern is that In our age where we are aware of what is off and what is broken and what is messed up, that we get stuck there, that we get paralyzed on that place of the mountain like John did for a bit, and you just stay there because you cannot move and you can't even imagine trying to move from that place because of the paralyzation that wants to be there. And yes, thank God we had a a huge family deliverance moment of fear. And man, for some of you, it, it, it is the... It is as real as anything. My greatest deliverance, I didn't feel anything. I knew it. I didn't feel it. The greatest deliverance I ever experienced, I didn't feel a single thing. I, I, I knew it in the depths of my knower. And some of you have experienced that. 
Okay, I gotta stop. Questions, could you put those on the screen? We're gonna take about a half hour, and I've got sheets and pens up here. If you have your journal with... ...from just one question, rather than all three, and hopefully we get a good variety from those three questions. We may do a little spontaneous ministry out of the readings. We'll see. Chris, Merwin, come on up. Okay, let's see what I've got here. Um, first, I want to reread just for a minute. I can't see you if I have these glasses on, so if you're waving at me or something, I can't. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. I received that. Oh, oh, is it retroactive? Okay, awesome. Um, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So I read that and reread that, and right after that it says, this is your true and proper worship. I love to worship, so this is a real urging challenge to me that this, this is true and proper worship. To what, Lord? To present your bodies as a living sacrifice. How do I do that? What does that mean? And then you go back one more in view of God's mercy. Yeah, it is wow. It's almost like I can't fully explain it. But in his mercy, that's how you view the ability to present yourself as a living sacrifice. Does that make sense? Okay, now with that as the background, I, I was I'm looking at number three. And the question is, is there anything you want to say to me, Lord, about following you personally or as a church family? So I receive this personally, but I share it with you possibly to receive as a church family. I want you to be watchful. Watchful, not paranoid, not, not always looking like that, because that can be weird right? You're just, God, are you speaking? And you're just all over the place. But to be watchful. And then the next word, kind of taking from Adam, a third word, a third meaning of present, not to present, not to be a present. Well, those are good. But to be present that's huge in my life because I'm a multitasker. So when I am doing more than one thing, I can get chastised or urged by my husband, you're not being present. And I'm like, yes, I am. I'm totally, totally with you. Just let me do this, and I'm totally with you. And he's like, no, no, I need to see your eyes. So I'm like, okay, Lord, you're asking that to be present, not scattered, to stop, and to be actively attentive. And going with John and Amber in their blessed venture, they, if I can say this correctly, um, they couldn't busy themselves too much with getting too far ahead. They had to look at where they were on that journey. They had to see it, not that you don't look ahead, but you had to recognize where you are. Don't get overly concerned about too far ahead, but look at the next step, embrace it, be present in it. And even when you're there, and this has already kind of been said, you may have to acknowledge the fear because John did. You acknowledge, I'm freaking out right now, and I really could lose it, but I have to re regroup. Lord, I'm being present. What's the next step now? Doesn't look very sturdy or steady. So for me personally, I'm a cautious person in some regard, 
and I don't always like to go into something that looks too big. So to be present, to acknowledge, to be actively attentive and not get overly concerned about what's way out there or what's it gonna look like or what will people think and just set your, your um, attention on what's there. Perfect, beautiful, Chris. You all, you drinking the goodness inside, Mama Chris Merwin? The goodness inside. Go up and get a hug from Mama Chris sometime and receive the goodness that she is. What, you just, all right. Goodness inside. All right, Michael Greiner. Am I close enough to this thing? I never know if I'm close enough or not. <clears throat> yeah, I think as I was going through this and trying to be attentive to our daughter and trying to go through these questions, <laughs> <clears throat> it kind of drew my attention to the still small voice of the Lord and what he speaks just on a daily basis. and how much of our lives seems to be just full of busyness and <laughs> full of distractions and yet the Lord's always like, it's okay, I'm there with you in it. Like it's not like you have to go out and disappear into nature, which I love to do, but he gets to be with us, he gets to connect with us, he gets to enjoy us right where we're at, even in the craziness and the mundane and as I was sitting there talking to Susanna, as we were going through this and just kind of meditating, we started realizing something when he was talking, when Paul was talking about the gifts, and I don't remember exactly which verse it was, I don't have the sheet with me, but, you know, prophesying or serving, <clears throat> we realized that we just want to be known, right? We just want to be heard as humans. It's our, one of our biggest desires is to be known, to be heard, to be understood, and knowing that even if nobody else understands us around, like the Lord is there. He understands us. He knows us. He enjoys us. And uh, that as, as me and uh, Susanna just do life together, as we do it with our little one, Bria, <laughs> who's dragging a little duck around. You've probably heard it for the last 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, just connecting with other people and their gifting and how, how they are just beginning to understand people's giftings and how they feel loved, how they feel cherished, how they feel enjoyed is something that can, is undervalued in some ways, but it's, you know, a way to really connect with the people and the groups that we're in, in the body, even unbelievers, you know. So, yes. There. Beautiful, Michael. Marguerite, goodness inside of Michael Griner. We receive it. Hey. So, as I was thinking about this whole gift thing, you know, there's like personalities like John who climb mountains and the risk takers that's like really cool. And then you've got people like me who are like, I'm just gonna calculate the risks and not do that. And that's like not cool. And so, <laughs> well, that was what I was thinking about. Before this, I was actually talking to Tracy who by the way, it's her birthday today. <laughs> And um, she's an ER nurse, and I'm an ICU nurse, so a little bit of a background there. ER nurses are like a little wild, it's all a hot mess down there, not a lot of details. They keep patients alive for like the time being, send them up to ICU, and then we're like, give us all the details. I'm gonna have one patient, I'm gonna zoom in on like every detail, I'm gonna be so in control. And so as we were talking about this change, you know, we're talking about, are you excited about it? She is very excited about it. It's gonna be wild, it's gonna be crazy. She's like, how about you? I'm like, nah, I don't like change, you know? And so, cause I like to be in control. But as I was thinking about it, I just thought, 
about Exodus 18. And so Moses, they've already been let out and then his father-in-law comes and it says in Exodus 18 that he tells him about everything that the Lord has done and you know, they're, the Lord has already done so many things and they have been following God already. And then his father-in-law says, well, that's really cool, but you're gonna get burned out because there's like literally no structure here. And so he comes up with a plan for, for like appointed leaders and people with the gift of strategy, I guess. And then it says in verse 23, if you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure and all this people also will go to their place in peace. And so I guess it was just an encouragement for, I mean, for me, but I'm sure I'm not the only one for people who feel like I am just not one of those cool risk takers in this whole change thing and cloud following, but that there is like a place for each one of us, like for the, for the ones who just like to bring some structure, there is a place for us. <laughs> oh, Margaret. Uh, if you would, if you relate emotionally to what Margaret just shared, would you raise a hand? You are in good company. You are seen. It is okay. We need you. I, Molly and I had dinner with Chris and Marguerite, and it was really helpful for me to hear sincerely where she was at. We need the voices, the perspectives, and we need to be for one another and help one another. Um, and that doesn't just look like the risk takers pulling the cautious ones. It really doesn't. It's, it's both ways. At times, Amber is going to need to tell John, we're not doing that. And you need to listen for real or you might die. The mercy of God bailed your butts off of the mountain this time. All right. We got one more ahead and then we we'll hear from uh, Eric Cunt. Where are you at? No, there were a few that were asked. Others that are coming up. You're fine. Be, be up here. You're fine. Get that. Um, mine was on the, the third question, and um, this is something I think, feel like the Lord was speaking to me personally, but also just a little bit of us as a body, and I just heard him telling me that, uh, that following the cloud is easy, but living the sacrificial life that, that calls us to is hard. Um, in our comfortable lives, we can find ways to grumble about anything. And um, I just heard him saying to me, and I think to all of us, do not reject the manna. Do not glorify the slavery I have called you out of. Um, live submitted, dependent, and focused on where you are. It's so easy to look back and so easy to glorify past seasons and where we've been. And we just, in the past, you don't see the struggle. You know, you think back to times in your life and you're like, that was so great. But then if you really dig into it, there were times that were, but... Um, and the other warning was, you know, we've, I've been studying through the Israelites in a, another study I'm doing, and... Because of their grumbling, an entire generation missed the blessing. I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled for my kids to get to see it, but I want to see it. Yeah. Like, there are going to be so many lessons, and it's going to be so easy to grumble and to, to think back to, well, you know, why... Just like, like Dave was sharing a couple weeks ago, like what if we would, would have just stayed at the Monarch building? It's not there. It's, it's not even an option. And it's awesome that the Lord showed us that. That he didn't call us out of a place to punish us. He didn't call us out of a place to, to just be mean. He's got lessons to learn. And those are, those are pivotal. And they're key to who we are and who he's calling us to be. Um, you know, we've been in this sonship what, 10 years? Yes. I mean, we've been, we've been 
I'm sure we didn't. I'm sure it ex we expected that to be like a six-month teaching series. Yeah. Now we've been going at it for 10, 12 years, and just like the Lord has been imprinting that on us, because it takes a son to be able to step out. Yeah. Do not reject God for earthly comforts. He's, he's calling us to the city, and he's spoken that over us for, for years. But I think we're starting to see what that really means, and that it's not that we just individually touch the places that God has, has placed us in, but that he's going to take us to the city corporately as a body, not just propping each other up, not just supporting each other in our personal ministries, but he is... He is calling us as a body to be mobile. Um, yeah. Following the cloud is easy. We go where it leads. It sounds simple. <laughs> Doing it in, in joyful faith. That's where we support each other. That's where we, that's why he calls us corporately to do it. Yeah. 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 Father, we humble ourselves before you. We stand in humble anticipation of where the cloud will move next. I think it's so incredible that you picked launching the cloud out of this place. Um... <laughs> it always is ironic to me, Lord, that you bring us to a Catholic retreat center to give us ultimate freedom in expression of worship and praise and, and who you are. And Father, we, we thank you for this time to just press in together as a body as you launch us into this next season of challenge, of following you through the wilderness that is Kansas City. And Father, I just stand before you humbly and say, do not let us grumble. Give us, give us the faith to follow. And just let us support each other and keep our eyes focused on you, not on where we've been. Let us embrace the manna and the way that you provide for us every morning. Hello, we're so excited for this next season. Father, we pray against, I think it's telling that we've prayed against fear leading into this season. Lord, Sunday mornings in church is such a place of, a place of structure and stability in our lives. And we praise you that this body, that you're showing us that it's not walls, that it's not even just a consistent meeting location and time but it is the body that you surround us with. Do not let us grumble. Do not let us work out of fear. Yeah, Father, we just praise you and we just fully rely on you in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, Hunt. Drinking in the goodness inside of Brother Eric. Uh, I'm going to keep the trend of male-female alternating testimonies. Michelle. Hello. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> I'm going to give just like a little bit of context. Two years ago, my husband and I moved here from Milwaukee. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I went to, yeah, I went to church with Caitlin Ewing up in Milwaukee. Isn't that cool? Um, so... <laughs> Also from Milwaukee is my sister Tracy. It's her birthday today. <laughs> so, so we moved here two years ago and it's been like a two year long, just total identity crisis for me, um, which is awesome, hard and awesome. Um, a little more context, I just spent a week with my parents down in Florida and kind of drank deeply in a not good way of like the dysfunction and unhealth there. And, even actually on the way here today, I was talking to Brian and Robin Abbott about 
my mom and my um, the, the lack of things that I've been given from my mom. And, and then we talked about fear and I started realizing just the fear that I have of repeating those patterns, um, the fear of, yeah, <laughs> the fear of, um, that was passed down to me that I'm not significant, that I don't have anything to offer, that I don't have a gift. And so then we have these questions. <laughs> so it's like all these things were just like, shoop. Um, <clears throat> so I felt the father saying like, you're not cut out anymore. You're like the new man now, right? We're creation, we're created to, to be the new man now. I'm not cut out of the same cloth that I was born being cut out of. I'm not cut out of my mom's DNA or my dad's DNA. I'm like cut out of Christ's DNA. And the path that I was set on at birth is no longer the path that I'm on. And the fear, so the question number one was what's hindering me? And I was like, well, that fear, that, I, that doubt that I have anything to offer, that I have a gift to give, that I am significant or worthwhile. And like, <laughs> just like letting go of that, saying goodbye, no thanks, and trusting that, you know, he made me the way that he wanted to make me. He knew what he was doing. And um, this idea, like, I don't know, I think in weird pictures sometimes, you know, <laughs> like a commercial with like a golden retriever in it and it's all muddy and it shakes off and it's in slow motion and the dirt goes everywhere. And, and like, and then you see this beautiful golden coat underneath and it's like all that extraneous stuff, I can just, the closer that I get to Christ, the more I can just shake that stuff off. And that light that, that God already put in there that doesn't need to be put in there. It's already there. He made me with it. That's going to be able to shine through. And so I don't have a question. I mean, I don't have an answer to question two. What have you put in me? But like that's my next journey is to figure out what that is. <laughs> so I don't know if anyone out there feels like maybe they don't know what their gifting is. But like we're going to figure it out. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, Father, we... Uh surround Michelle. We echo your voice to her this morning. We thank you for the good plan, the good gifts that you've given to Michelle, the good gift that she is to us, to the city, to her family. We bless her and anybody else in the room that is waiting in that place, waiting for you to clearly identify, speak to those places in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome, Michelle. All right, John McCracken. Yeah, so I, I oftentimes, when I look at Scripture, when I look at a whole chapter, like, this is not a whole chapter, but when I look at the, I, look, I see progressions. And when you, when you look at this, it says, do not, be conform, or do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think most of us know that means the Word of God, getting to know God. And as you become really in touch with Him and you connect with Him, it says, this is really crazy. It says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is? Wow. What does that mean? I'm contemplating that. His good, pleasing, and perfect will, we will be able to test and approve it. That means if we didn't renew our mind, we'd be distracted by the world and its ways. And then it says, uh, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So I keep seeing that, and then it says, uh, later on it says, prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. You know, I think I've grown up in a world of, um, when I was a child, going to church, in and out of church. I, th I believe that we needed to attain more faith, that we had to, it was a requirement to believe more. But now I've come to the conclusion, just from this scripture alone, really, it says, we have been given faith already. So what God is wanting us to do is displace the unbelief, displace the fear, displace the shame, displace the, the guilt and of whatever we've done or whatever's been done to us. So the reality is we don't have to attain more faith. We just have to let the faith that's already within us come out. We have to live out what, what has already been given to us. And each of us, According to the scripture, we've been given different levels and measures of faith for different gifts, different abilities. And uh, I used to think that, well, if I just get more faith, I'll have more ability. That's not what this is saying. 
as you become more connected with God, His Son and His Spirit, then your, His abilities will come through you because He's already placed them inside of us. So I just see this progression. Like you can't, you can't prophesy, serve, or give in accordance to your faith if you don't even know what that means by not renewing your mind and being transformed, being set apart from the world. And, uh, you know, just to skip on to, to, to the, uh, the question number three, um, I just asked him, I said, Lord, what are you saying? And, and uh, I just heard this one phrase, uh, members of one another. And, I mean, what more of a special calling and being set apart, not from the church, but from the world. And, I, you know, and I was asking myself, you know, I think people would ask the Old Testament church, why did you guys, why did you guys follow the cloud by day? What, how did that work for you, you know? Well, they became members of one another. They knew each other because they weren't in the same building every week. They were moving. They were packing up their tents and helping each other with their children. You know, they're doing all this. And it really forces us to live as members of one another. So I think, you know, I would ask the question, why did we start meeting in buildings? Because God doesn't dwell in buildings anymore. That was the reason the temple and the tabernacle were done, were done away with. We are the temple of God. So I think it's pertinent. I think it's extremely imperative that we not follow the way of, of uh, not saying that, following structure. Structure is awesome. I love structure. But you can have structure without walls. Think about that. That's a, that just actually hit me just now. So the phrase that, I, that he said to me is, I am taking Nava to the place I intended my bride to be. And that isn't a place, a position, or a, a, a piece of land. That is becoming members of one another. Beautiful. Johnny. Or before Davey reads, do we have another woman who wants to uh, respond and read anything? Okay. Oh. Jana. We'll go Jana and then Dave. Hey. All right. So this was kind of similar to what um, Eric already shared, so I wasn't sure I should repeat it, but I will a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I was, as I was contemplating question um, three, just began to feel that the Spirit was saying, um, it's time to press in, come a little closer, be willing to sacrifice more than before. The fruit that's coming will be worth the time that you give. This will cost you something, but it's not heavy. And just thinking through this, like, as we're transitioning, this is going to cost a lot of all of us. And it's worth the cost. It's, it doesn't need to feel weighty, what we're stepping into, but that there is this seriousness to it, if that makes sense. Um, and then the chapter that came to mind was Exodus 15 um, that I was sitting and reading. It's like right after they've... Uh, crossed the Red Sea. Uh, Moses has just sang this song of praise, and then they're one, they start wondering, and it's three days, and they can't find water anywhere. <laughs> and they finally find some water, and it's bitter, and they can't drink it. And so they start grumbling, as we've already heard. Um, and so, you know, kind of crazy story of Moses, like, throwing this log into the water. It becomes sweet. They're able to drink it. Um, and then they get planted, but these, I think it said like 70 palm trees and this spring where they like start to hang out for a while. Um, and so I don't, I was just contemplating on that and how the Lord always turns the bitter into sweet, right? Like we get, as we walk out there, there may be these moments guys where this gets really hard and uncomfortable and we don't want to do it anymore. And we can't see where we're going, and why did we leave where we were? But to just make a point in our mind that we're just going to go a little bit closer, walk a little bit closer to Jesus, because that's what he's always doing, is always going closer, right? So we're going to go a little bit closer and just trust that he always turns the bitter into sweet, that he always has a way to make this good. 
and yeah, just trust him in that. Yes and amen. Drinking in the goodness inside of Jana. Hallelujah. All right, David Gilbertson. Um, we'll see here. We are going to break at noon to retrieve our children for a lunch at 1230. Yeah, if you're on lunch prep, please depart and go to the kitchen to help prep. When I came up here, I thought I was going to just share, uh, answer to question three and provide a little bit of context. That context that the Lord's been weaving throughout this is a love for the diversity of how he speaks through each one of us separately and uniquely. And it's actually the Christ in you and he's beginning to grow a love in me for the Christ in each and every one of you. And that's important and valuable. But then while I was waiting, he humbled me and brought me into question one. Um, what's been keeping me, and I feel like I'm, I don't want to put it off that I'm feeling it as representation for other people, <laughs> so I'll just own it, uh, what's keeping me from presenting myself more fully to the Father and to others is tenderness or a lack thereof, hard-heartedness and judgment. I feel like I do want to repent for myself and as a representation for others, if there's ever been gifting or a certain personality bent that's ever made you feel like you are less than, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Your voice and your gifting, the way you've been uniquely crafted is valuable to the Father. And forgive me for any way, directly or indirectly, that's been marred or made to feel less than. Thank you. Then to question three, uh, I'm just going to trust that what he spoke is going to be enough, but um, trust is continual and unconditional. And to what Chiarelli was saying, his character is greater than and over than our circumstances or our perception or interpretation of our circumstances. So when everything around our eyes would communicate something else, his character, his goodness is greater than and interprets that. And I'm just going to do this last little thing real quick. During worship, um, I was getting this melody. I don't know if it's, I don't know what key, I don't know what key, what tempo it is. <laughs> but no competition and no fear of lack. No competition and no fear of lack. No competition and no fear of lack. Love, joy, and peace. Abundance is our portion. No competition and no fear of lack. No competition and no fear of lack. No competition and no fear of lack. Love, joy, and peace. Abundance is our portion. So I wasn't going to share, but after he repented, um, I got three downloads for the church family, but I'm just going to share one. We are stepping into joyful and grace-filled repentance for us personally, individually. And after we repent comes revival. And I feel as the Nava's leadership is stepping and has stepped into obedience and following the cloud, we are now coming behind in of a repentance because I feel some of us have been called to the city or called to the homeless or called to our neighborhoods, but we haven't stepped fully into that. So as your guys' obedience to this unknown center and what we're stepping into, we are following them into that. We're following them into the unknown and we are stepping into position of repentance and having each and every one of us link arms and have each other's backs in this as a family. So it's hard, it, the, you know, there's unknowns, there's, there's a lot of things that we, we don't know what it looks like, but we all want community, we all want deep relationships are you ready to step into those deep relationships? Because that's, that's what's ahead. What's ahead is what we all have been praying for, but we haven't yet stepped into that fully, if that makes sense. So 
this unknown is God's grace and mercy over each one of us and answering our prayers for deeper community and deeper relationships that we're all longing for. So if you want to get wrecked, here's the recipe. Be 18 weeks pregnant and then invite the Holy Spirit to talk to you. And then when he talks to you, say, mm, I don't want to share that. Uh, and here you are, standing here, sharing. So uh, sometimes he just needs to say things, kind of the same thing, but twice, just to make sure that we really hear it. Um, so if you know me, you know that the three things that I love most are maps, itineraries, and context. Do you know what is not present in luminal space? <laughs> Maps, itinerary, context. Yeah, none, none of those happen. Um, and so for me, I'm going to get real vulnerable for a minute. I don't want to do this. But he's telling me to do it. Sometimes he sucks in the best way possible. Um, yeah, so I came into the retreat feeling in a space of my own. Transition is really hard for me. Um, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed to have our first baby, and he brought us Trinity, our little red-headed fierce miracle, um, and then we said, this is fun, let's do it again, and so he said, yeah, let's do it again, and then I went, oh, shoot, I don't know what that looks like, um, and I had all of these feelings, and I didn't have a word to put with what I was feeling. And then Adam shared about liminal space last night, and I was like, oh, geez, that's it. Um, and when you have kind of context to put around that, the next step is to say, how do I do that? Um, and for me, it's kind of a mix of number one and number three. I don't like saying that I don't know how to do something. I don't like other people to know that I don't know how to do something. Normally, I just fake it till I make it. Um, hide behind some humor, hide behind a little bit of what I do know. Um, but I don't know how to be a mama to two. And I don't know what the, the itinerary or the map or the context looks like. And that scares me. And he said, you do have a map. I'm the map. You do have an itinerary. It's the other mamas around you, and you do have context because you have the dream that I gave you. And so I go and I research when I don't know. Um, and there is a whole website called aluminalspace.org. Just for people like me, there's a whole, a whole institute built around um, the context of change, and they have, um, they're called the PEER Center, and it stands for Provoke, Invite, Explore, and Restore. And I just think that's a really beautiful picture of leaving land and walking into the vastness of the ocean, um, and just the invitation that he has. Um, and then he just dropped this, this little nugget um, that has lots of threads that we've already talked about. It says, when we become aware of our luminality, most of us, if we're honest, don't know who to become or how to navigate the transition. We often miss the real potential of in-between places. We either stand paralyzed or we flee the terrible cloud of the unknown. If our liminal spaces are approached with, here's the recipe, intentionality and within community, rather than staying paralyzed, running our way, or going at it alone, we can boldly approach it and more confidently move forward into our future. Intentionality and community. So the Father says, I know that you don't know, and that's the way that I intended it, because I do know. So when we wrestle in the places of awkwardness, that means that growth is happening. 
So I have nine months to wrestle with the awkwardness of the reality of becoming a mom of two and having no idea how to do that. And we have the beautiful awkwardness to go into together. And I was thinking that it was really funny that the Lord gave this to us in our teenage years of being Nava um, and about how awkward we were when we were all teenagers. Um, I never moved out of it. Thankfully, some of you did. Um, but just to, to find community. That's not always easy for us, but that's something that the Lord is asking us in our sacrifice is to move into community, um, to not wait to be found, but to go find. Um, and so move into spaces of awkwardness. Um, invite the Lord into that place um, because in our weakness, he is made strong. Yeah, can I pray in that? Yeah, yeah. Father, thank you. Thank you for awkwardness. Um, thank you for the good things that you have in store for us in the uncomfortable places. Um, thank you that we don't have to go it alone. You give us your word as the map. You give us the Holy Spirit as the itinerary, and you give us the body as context. Um, so we invite those three things to come together in perfect trinity to say yes um, in the time that you have in this space. Um, we don't rush through it, but we stay in the awkwardness because we know that with refining fire um, comes the diamond. And so we thank you for the pressure. Um, we say apply it in your loving, grace-filled way so that we can come out with a testimony that wows the world um, and that produces something that's really, really valuable for our city, for our hearts, and for the nations. Amen, Val. Beautiful. All right, we're going to close with Jen. There's lots that's happening. Both of you have promised very short. If you can do it, we will do it. Tony, Jen, Jen, you go. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Guy Girl, I forgot. Somebody give me a 60 seconds on the, on the watch. All right, so Carl Lentz has this great quote. He says, a sloppy victory is better than a clean loss, right? And it goes into the answer to I felt like uh, what God was saying with number three for Nava, and it's that everybody wants to have great things happen in their church bodies all over the world, all over Kansas City, everyone. But nobody wants to do anything differently. Everybody wants to do it the same way they've always done and expect different results. God has tricked Nava, like into this situation and I just want you all to know it's a privilege it's gonna be sloppy it's gonna be so messy but innovation is not clean like if you want to do something different you got to do things different and so like to embrace it to innovate to just just try new things you know and to and to give grace when things crash land and stuff like that because man God is it has his hand all over this and I think I'm close to 60 seconds <laughs> zipper that was, uh, that was worth it, my friend. Beautiful. Jen. So David came up and shared and repented on behalf of having been judged, all sorts of things. And I don't need to give context for my story because we all have context of our own stories for what that feels like from the church. So I just met Dave um, right before we started doing this, and he affirmed um, a gifting that he saw on the drum. And um, nobody has approached number two because it's hard. Because nobody likes to talk about the way that God has gifted them because there's this, oh, I could be prideful or, oh, I could, you know, it could be taken awkwardly. Um, so I want to release it over our body. Um, and I want to tell you what the Lord has put in me for you. And he answered with something that is extremely uncomfortable. It's the intensity of my commitment. I'm constantly apologizing for the intensity of my personality, the intensity of the way I just address truth and how it relates to the word, and I'm not going to back off of that, or intensity in any shape or form. Um, my dress is even toned down from what it used to be, full of piercings and hair color and all that. So even that intensity has been toned down because that's not acceptable in church. So the intensity of my commitment, he said, is like coal, mined for fuel, and it will help others burn. So I'm here to be intense for you, for whoever needs it. Bro, I got you. <laughs> and I just want to release it over Nava 
that in whatever way you are gifted at, verse 9 just lit a fire in my soul. I looked down when John McCracken was talking about we have to be members of each other. And then she, uh, a, a young gal got up and said that we, this is the answer to our need for community. And here it is, love 9. Love 9. We have to love 9. It's verse 9. Love must be sincere. But we can't love our neighbors until we have to learn how to love ourselves first. So I fully embrace the love of my intensity to be that way for others or anyone that might need it. And I want to release that over Nava to love the way that God has gifted you because we're going to need it if we're really going outside the walls and he's going to structure us to move with the cloud. Amen. Beautiful. Come on. Oh, man. That was rich, Jen. We, uh, mercy, man. All right, we need, to, uh, we need to cut and honor those that have been loving and serving children for over three hours.